Our story begins amid a swirl of street life in Victorian London. Happy groups pass, brightly custom carolers and families call out to one another and sing joy to the world softly as our children talk. Bob Cratchit, a clerk who works in Scrooge's office, comes in. He takes some coal from the mound and puts it into a small bucket. Scrooge's nephew enters, talks with them. Christmas coin for each of you. Merry Christmas and send him away with a Merry Christmas. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you. Bah, humbug. Christmas is a humbug, Uncle? I hope that's not a joke. Well, it's not. Come, what is it you want? Don't waste all day, nephew. I only want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Don't be cross. Who else can I be when I live in a world of such fools as this? Merry Christmas? Out with Merry Christmas! What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and... Let me keep it in mind. But you don't keep it. Then leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has ever done you. There are many things from which I might have found enjoyment by which I have not profited. I dare say Christmas rest. And though it has never put a scrap of in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. Bugh. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. I'll dine alone, thank you. But why? Why? Why did you get married? Why? Because I fell in love with a wonderful girl. And I fell in love with being alone. Good afternoon. Nay, Uncle. But you never came to see me before I was married. Why give it as a reason for not coming now? Good afternoon. I am sorry with all my heart to find you so determined, but I have made it the attempt to honor Christmas, and I'll keep that good spirit to the last. So a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. Fred hesitates as if to say something more. He sees that Scrooge has gone to get a book down from the shelf, and he starts to leave. As he leaves, the doorbell rings. Bells. Bells. Is it always necessary to have bells? The gentleman visitor enters, causing the doorbell to ring again. Cratchit! Yes, sir? The bell, fool. See to it. Yes, sir. He goes to the entrance. Merry Christmas. Wolves howling in a Merry Christmas. It's for you, sir. Of course it's for me. You're not receiving any callers, are you? Show them in. Right this way, sir. The gentleman visitor approaches Scrooge. Yes, yes. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's dead. Seven years tonight. What is it you want? I have no doubt that his kindness is well represented by his surviving partner. Here, sir, my card. He hands Scrooge's business card. Kindness? No doubt of it. All right, all right, I can read. 
What is it you want? Scrooge returns to his work. At this festive season of the year, it's winter and cold. He continues his work and ignores the gentleman visitor. Yes, yes it is, and the more reason for my visit. At this time of the year, it is more than usually desirable to make some slight provision for the poor and penniless who suffer greatly from the cold. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no debtors prisons? Many, sir. And the workhouse, is it still in operation? It is, still. I wish I could say it was not. The poor law is still in full strength, then? Yes, sir. I'm glad to hear it. From what you said, I was afraid someone had stopped its operation. Under the impression that they barely provide Christian cheer of mind or body to many people, a few of us are hoping to raise funds to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is the time of all others when want is strongly felt and abundance rejoices. May I put you down for something, sir? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, sir, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make lazy people merry. I help support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough. And those who are poorly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. That is not my affair. My business is. It occupies me constantly. He talks both to the gentleman visitor and himself while he thumbs through his books. Ask a man to give up his life and means. Fine thing. What is it? I want to know. Charity. Dreaded charity. His nose deep in his book, he vaguely hears the dinner bell being rung in the workhouse. He looks up as if he has heard it, but he focuses on the actual scene. The ward of the poorhouse stands in the pool of light at the parlor, slowly ringing a bell. Dinner! All right, line up. The poorly clad, dirty residents of the poorhouse line up and file by to get their evening's dish of gruel, wordlessly accepting it and going back to eat listlessly in the image of the poorhouse is hidden by darkness. The dejected gentleman visitor exits. Latch the door, Cratchit. Firmly, firmly. Draft as cold as Christmas blowing in here. Charity! Suddenly, carolers appear on the platform, and a few phrases of their carols and something heard on high are heard. Scrooge looks up. Cratchit! As soon as Scrooge shouts, the carolers vanish, and Cratchit begins to close up the shop. Cratchit! Yes, sir? Well, to work, then. It's evening, sir. Is it? Christmas evening, sir. Oh, you'll want all day off tomorrow, I suppose. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to deduct half a crown from your salary for it, 
You'd think yourself ill-used, wouldn't you? Still, you expect me to pay a day's wage for a day of no work. It is only once a year, sir. Be here all the earlier the next morning. I will, sir. Then off. Off? Yes, sir. Merry Christmas, sir. Ugh. As soon as Cratchit opens the door, the sounds of the street begin, very bright and loud. Cratchit is caught up in a swell of people hurrying down the street. Children pull him along to the top of an ice slide, and he runs and slides down it. Disappearing down the road, Scrooge goes around the room, blowing out candles, talking to himself. Christmas Eve. Carolers. Ugh. There. Another day. He opens his door and peers out. Black. Very black. Now, where are they? The children are heard singing carolers for a moment. Begging pennies for their songs, are they? Oh boy. Hold it. Quiet. There. Off now. That's it. Hi. Black as pitch. The house of Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. Here's the key. He turns the key towards the door, and the face of Jacob Marley, Scrooge's deceased business partner, swims out of the darkness. Scrooge watches, unable to speak. He fumbles for a match, lights the lantern, and swings it towards the figure, which melts away. Scrooge fits the key in the lock and turns it. As the door suddenly is opened from the inside by the porter, Sparset, Scrooge is startled, then recovers. Sparset? Yes, sir? Hurry, hurry, the door. Close it. Did you knock, sir? Knock? What matter? Here, light me up the stairs. Yes, sir. He head he leads Scrooge up the stairs. They pass the hook on the way. Scrooge brushes by her, stops, looks back, and leans towards him. Something to warn you, sir? Porridge? What? no. No. Nothing. Cook stops and waits for her Christmas coin. Merry Christmas, sir. Scrooge ignores the request, and the cook disappears. Mumbling, Scrooge follows Sparset, looking back after the cook as she leaves. Right, a man nearly out of his life. Merry Christmas. Ugh. Your room, sir? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes. And good night. Extending his hands for his coin. Merry Christmas, sir. Yes, yes. He sees the outstretched hand. He knows what Sparset wants and is infuriated. Out! Out! He closes the door after Sparset turns towards his chamber and discovers the charwoman, a woman hired to do cleaning, directly behind him. Warm your bed for you, sir. What? Out! Out! Hi, sir. She starts for the door. Marley's voice is heard mumbling something. Unintelligible. What's that? Me, sir? Not a thing, sir. Then good night. Good night. She exits and Scrooge shuts the door behind her. Merry Christmas, Scrooge. Scrooge hears the voice, but cannot account for it. He climbs up to a window and looks down, 
A cathedral choir singing O Come All Ye Faithful is heard in the distance. Scrooge listens a moment, shuts the window, and prepares for bed. As soon as he has shut the sound out of his room, figures appear. They seem to be coming down the main aisle of a church, bearing gifts to the living nursery. The orchestra plays O Come All Ye Faithful as the procession files out. Scrooge, running for bed, warms himself before the group of clothes. As he pulls his nightcap from a chair, a small handbell tumbles off onto the floor. Startled, he picks it up and rings it for reassurance. An echo answers it. Scrooge escapes to his bed. The bell sounds grow to a dim, incoherent than a dream. Then suddenly falls silent. Scrooge sits up in bed, listens, and the chains of Marley coming up the stairs. He reaches for the bell to the summons birth it. The bell responds with a gong, and Marley appears. He and Scrooge face one another. What do you want with me? Much. Who are you? Ask who I was. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. He's dead. Seven years this night, Ebenezer Scrooge. Why do you come here? I must. It is commanded me. I must wander the world and see what I can no longer share, what I would not share when I walked where you do. And must go thus? The chain? Look at Ebenezer. Study it. Locks and vaults and golden coins. I forged it. Each link, each day when I sat in these chairs, commanded these rooms. Greed, Ebenezer, wealth. Feel them. Know them. Yours was as heavy as this I wore seven years ago. You've labored to build it since. If you're here to lecture, I have no time for it. It is late. The night is cold. I want comfort now. I have none to give. I know not how you see me this night. I did not ask it. I have sat invisible beside you many and many a day. I am commanded to bring you a chance, Ebenezer. Heed it. Quickly, then. Quickly. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the chance? Mark it. I do not choose to. Then you will walk where I do, burdened by your riches, your greed. Spirits mean nothing to me. Marley moves to leave. Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one, the second the next night at the same hour, the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve is ended. Look to see me no more. I must wander. Look that. Jacob, don't leave me. Jacob! Jacob! Goodbye, Ebenezer. At Marley's last words, a funeral procession begins. A boy walks in front. A priest follows, swinging a censer. Sounds of mourning are heard. Scrooge calls out. Jacob, don't leave me! As if talking in the midst of a bad dream, Scrooge pulls shut the bed curtains. The bell sounds are picked up. The clock begins to chime, ringing the hours. Scrooge sits up in bed and begins to count the time. slept through a whole day. Huh? Yes. Well, he hurries to the window and looks out. Black. 
Halloween night. I must get up. A day wasted. I must get down to the office. Two small chimes are heard. Quarter past, but it just rang twelve. Fifteen minutes haven't gone past, not so quickly. Again, two small chimes are heard. A quarter to one, the spirit, it's to come at one. He hurries to his bed as the chimes ring again. The hour is struck again by a large street clock. It is a strange figure, one that seems to have no age, with long hair and a face without wrinkles. Its hands and arms are muscular, and its legs and feet are bare. It wears a tunic of the purest white, and around its waist is bound a lustrous belt. It holds a branch of fresh green holly in its hand but its dress is trimmed with summer flowers. From the crown of its head, there, there springs a bright, clear jet of light. Scrooge grasps the spirit hands tightly, and its bell rings softly. Scrooge remembers the spoon from his past, which two boys greet each other on the street. Hello, Jack! Ben, Merry Christmas, Ben! Jack Walton. Young Jack Walton. Spirits? Have a good holiday, Jack. Yes, yes, I remember him. Both of them. Little Ben Benjamin. He used to... See you next term, Jack. Next term. They, they're off for the holidays and going home from school. It's Christmas time. All of the children are off home now. No, no, not all. There was one. The spirit motions for Scrooge to turn, and he sees a young boy playing with a teddy bear and talking to it. Yes, reading. Poor boy. What? I wonder. Reading? Oh, it was nothing. Fancy. All fancy and make-believe and take-me-away. All of it, yes, nonsense. Alibaba. Yes. That was it. Genie, take me to the gate of Damascus. Yes, O oh master, and jewels I shall bring you, and gold and myrrh and frankincense. That silly one at the gate of Damascus in his underdrawers asleep? Yes, yes, and the genie told the, turned the sultan's groom upside down and stood him on his head. Served him right, I say. And all the thieves and the jars of oil? Scrooge pretends to stab the jars of oil with his scimitar. Yes, yes, and running them through. This, and this, and this for each of you. Yes, and remember, and remember, remember Robinson Crusoe? And the parrot! Yes, the parrot. I loved him best. With his stripy green body and yellow tail drooping along and couldn't sing. But could talk and a thing like lettuce growing on top of his head, and used to sit on the very top of the tree, up there. And Robinson Crusoe sailed around the island, and he thought the parrot said, the parrot said, Robinson Crusoe, where you been? Ah? Robinson Crusoe, where you been? Ah? 
And Robinson Crusoe looked up in the tree and saw the pair and knew he hadn't escaped. And he was still there, still. Poor on. Robinson. Poor Robinson Crusoe. Poor Robinson Crusoe. He sadly puts the teddy bear back on the shelf. Poor child. Poor child. Why poor? Fancy. Fancy. He tries to mask his feelings by being impolite. It's a way. The, a child's way. To, to lose being alone in dreams. Dreams. Never matter if they were all nonsense. Yes, nonsense. But he'll be alright. Grow out of it. Yes, yes, he did outgrow it. The nonsense. Became a man and and left there and he became, yes, he became a man and, yes, successful. Rich. Never matter. Never matter. Fan, Scrooge's sister, runs in and goes to child Scrooge. Fan! Brother! Dear brother! She kisses child Scrooge. Dear, dear Fan. I've come to bring you home. Home for good and ever. Come with me. Come now. She takes his hand and they start to run off, but the spirit stops them. They look at the spirit, aware of their role in the spirit's education of Scrooge. Let me watch them go. Let them be happy for a moment. The spirit says nothing. Scrooge turns away from them and they disappear. A delicate, delicate child. A breath might have withered her. She dies as a woman and had, as I remember, children. One child. Your nephew. Yes, yes, Fred, my nephew. Scrooge pauses, then tries to bluster through as the spirit waits. Well, well, all of us have that, haven't we? Childhoods, sadness, but we grow and we become men, masters of ourselves. Scrooge becomes aware of the music playing in the distance. I've no time for it, spirit, music, and all your Christmas nonsense. Yes, yes, I've learnt what you have to show me. Fezziwig appears with two young men. Yo-ho there, Ebenezer! Biff! Fezziwig, it's old Fezziwig that I apprenticed under. Your master? Oh, yes, and the best that any boy could have. There's Bick Willikin, bless me. He was very much attached to me, was Bick. Poor Bick. Dear, dear. Yo-ho, my boys. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Bick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up before a man can say Jack Robinson. The music continues. Chandeliers light up the room and mistletoe, holly, and ivy are draped over everything. Bustling servants with huge platters of food make, make their way through the party goers as they dance. Everyone enjoying Fezziwig's wonderful party. At a pause in the music, young Ebenezer, who's also dancing, calls out, Mr. Fezziwig, sir, you're a wonderful master. A wonderful, a wonderful master. master. A wonderful master. The music and scene fade away. Just because he gave a party? It was very small. Small? He spent a few pounds of your mortal money. Three, four at the most. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? But it wasn't the money. He had the power to make us happy, to make our service light or burdensome. 
the happiness he gives is quite as great as if it had cost a fortune. That's what a good master is. Yes? No, no, nothing. Something, I think. I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now, that's all. But this is all in your past. Your clerk, Cratchit, couldn't be here. No, no, of course not. An idle thought. Are we done? Nearly. Scrooge hears a waltz and recognizes it. Surely it's enough. Haven't you tormented me enough? Ebenezer is seen waltzing with his sweetheart. I only show the past, what I promised you. Look, another promise. Oh. Oh, yes. I had forgotten. Her. Don't they dance beautifully? So young. So young. I would have married her if only... Can you love me, Ebenezer? I bring no dowry into my marriage. Only me. Only love. It is no currency you can buy and sell with, but we can live with it. Can you? She pauses, then returns the ring Scrooge gave her as his pledge. I release you, Ebenezer, for the love of the man you once were. Will that man win me again, now that he is free? Trying to speak to his sweetheart. If only you would hold me to it. You should not have let me go. I was young. I did love you. His sweetheart speaks to young Ebenezer. We have never lied to one another. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Goodbye. She runs out. Young Ebenezer slowly leaves. No, no, it was not meant that way. You cannot change now what you would change then. I am your mistake, Ebenezer Scrooge. All of the things that you could have done and did not. Then leave me! I have done with them. I shall live with them, as I have, as I do, as I will. There is another Christmas, seven years ago, when Marley died. No! I will not see it. I will not. He dies. I could not prevent it. I did not choose for him to die on Christmas Day. And when his day was chosen, what did you do then? I looked after his affairs. His business. Yes, his business is mine. It was all I had, all that I could do in this world. I have nothing to do with the world to come after. Then I will leave you. Not yet. Don't leave me here. Tell me what I must do. What of the other spirits? They will come. And you? What of you? I am always with you. Scrooge numbly heads to bed. Scrooge sits upright in his bed and hears the times once again. One minute. One minute till one. No one's here. No one's coming. A larger A light comes on. Scrooge becomes aware of it and goes slowly to it. He sees the second spirit, the spirit of Christmas present. He looks like Fezziwig. Fezziwig! Hello, Scrooge. But you can't be not Fezziwig. Do you see me as him? I do. And hear me as him? 
I do. I wish I were the gentleman, so as not to disappoint you. But you're not... No, Mr. Scrooge. You have never seen the like of me before. I am the ghost of Christmas present. But... You see what you will see, Scrooge. No more. Will you walk out with me this Christmas Eve? But I am not your trust. Take my tails, dear boy. We're leaving. Wait! What is it now? Christmas present, did you say? I did. Then we're traveling here, in this town, London, just down there? Yes, yes, of course. Then could we walk? Your flying is, well, too sudden for an old man. Well? It's your Christmas, Scrooge. I'm only the guide. Then can we walk? The spirit nods. Where are you guiding me to? Bob Cratchit. My clerk? You did want to talk to him. Scrooge pauses, uncertain how to answer. Don't worry, Scrooge. You won't have to. Scrooge tries to change the subject to cover his error. Shouldn't be much of a trip. With 15 bob a week, how far off can it be? A world away, Scrooge. At least that far. Scrooge and the spirit start to step off the curb when a funeral procession enters with a child coffin, followed by warehouse children who are singing. That is the way to it, Scrooge. The procession follows the coffin into the distance. Scrooge turns away and sees Mrs. Cratchit and her children. Mrs. Cratchit sings as she puts Tom in and the other children to bed, all in one bed. She pulls a blanket over. When you wake, you shall have all the pretty little horses, blacks and bays, dapples and greys, all the pretty little horses. To sleep now, all of you. Christmas tomorrow. She kisses them and then goes to back by the heart. How did our little tiny Tim behave? As good as gold and better, he told me coming home. And he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day, who made the lame to walk and the blind to see. He's a good boy. The second spirit and Scrooge enter, Miss Hatchet feels a sudden drift. Oh, the wind. She gets up to shut the door. Hurry! before Mrs. Cratchit Hardly hospitable is what I'd say. Oh, they'd say a great deal more, Scrooge, if they could see you. Oh, they should, should they? Well, I might have a word for them. You're here to listen. Oh, oh yes, all right. By the fire? But not a word. Raise a glass, my dear, to Mr. Scrooge. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. Founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I'd hope he have a good appetite for it. My dear, it's Christmas Eve. It should be Christmas Eve, I'm sure. When one drinks to health in such an stingy, hard, unfeeling man 
as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. No one knows it better than you do, poor dear. I only know one thing on Christmas. That one must be charitable. I'll drink to his health and for your sake, and the days. Not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. He'll be very happy and very merry and very happy. I have no doubt. He cannot be. We must be happy for him. A song is what's needed. Tim! Shush. I've just got him down, and he needs all the sleep he can get. He's asleep on Christmas Eve? I'll be much mistaken. Tim, you must sing, dear. There's nothing else that might make him well. Yes, Father? Are you awake? Just a little. A song, then. The children awake, and led by Tiny Tim's Bit up and sing, what child is this? Spirit, I, I have seen enough. When the spirit signals to the children, they exit, singing the carol quietly. Tiny Tim remains, covered completely by the dark blanket, disappearing against the black. Tiny Tim... Will he live? He is very ill. Even song cannot keep him through a whole cold winter. But you haven't told me. If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Scrooge turns away. Erase, Scrooge. Those words from your thoughts. You are not the judge. Do not judge then. It may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Oh, God, to hear an insect on a leaf pronouncing that there's too much life among hid, hungry brothers in the dust. Goodbye, Scrooge. But there is no happiness in Christmas present? There is. Take me there. It is at the home of your nephew. No! Then there is none. But that isn't enough. You must teach me. Would you have a teacher, Scrooge? Look at your own words. But the first spirit gave me more. He was Christmas past. There was a lifetime he could choose from. I have only this day, one day, and you, Scrooge. I have nearly lived my fill of both. Christmas present must be gone at midnight. That is near now. He turns to speak to two thin and sickly bigger children. They are barefoot wearing filthy rags. Is this the last spirit to come to me? There are no spirits. They are real. Hunger, ignorance, not spirits, Scrooge. Passing dreams. They are real. They walk your streets, look to you for comfort, and you deny them. Deny them too long, Scrooge. They will grow and multiply, and they will not remain children. Have they no place to go? No resource for help? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Speaking tenderly to the children. Come, children. It's Christmas Eve. Scrooge is entirely alone 
for a long moment. He is frightened by the darkness and feels it approaching him. Suddenly, he stops, senses the presence of the third spirit, turns towards him, and sees him. The spirit is bent and, and cloaked. No physical features are distinguishable. You are the third. The ghost of Christmas yet to come. Speak to me. Tell me what is to happen. To me. To all of us. Then show me what I must see. I know it. I know it too well. Cold and cheerless. It is mine. The cook and the charwoman are dimly visible in Scrooge's house. What it? What is... There are thieves! There are thieves in my rooms! He starts forward to confront them, but the spirit beckons for him to stop. I cannot. You cannot tell me that I must watch them and do nothing. I will not. It is mine still. He rushes into the house to claim his belongings and to protect them. The two women do not notice his presence. He ain't a bower, does he? <laughs> Poor old Scrooge has met his end. And time for it too, and been alive indeed for half his life. But the sparks it's nowhere, is he? Sparks it appears behind the women. Looking for someone, ladies? The cook shrieks, but the charwoman treats the matter more practically, anticipating competition from Sparset. There ain't enough but for the two of us. More than enough, if you know where to look. Hardly decent is what I'd say. Hardly decent. The poor old fellow hardly called, now you thief in his wardrobe. There ain't no time for that. Sparset acknowledges that Scrooge for the first time genuinely towards him as if the living Scrooge were the corpse. Scrooge stands as if rooted to the spot, held there by the power of the spirit. He ain't about to bother us, is he? Ain't he a picture? If he is, he ain't a happy one. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, shall we start? The three of them grin and advance on Scrooge. Cook? She takes a nightcap from Scrooge's head, sparse it, Playfully remove Scrooge's coat. Being a man of more practical tastes, I'd go for the worsted and hope the smell ain't permanent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cook, we go round again. Do you think the little bellies always ringing at me and silver up to sell? The three of them move towards the nightstand, and Scrooge cries out, No more! No more! As the spirit directs Scrooge's attention to the tableau of the three thieves standing poisoned over the silver bell, Scrooge bursts out of the house clad only to his nightshirt. I cannot. I cannot. The room is too like a cheerless place that is familiar. I won't see it. Let us go from here. Anywhere. The spirit directs his attention to the Cratchit house. The children are sitting together near Mrs. Cratchit, who is sewing a coat. Peter reads by the light of the coals. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. The light tires my eyes so. They're better now. It makes them tired to try to see by the firelight. 
and I wouldn't show reddened eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time now. Past it, I think. But he walks slower than he used to these past few days, mother. I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulders very fast indeed. She catches herself, then hurries on. But he was very light to carry, and his father loved him, so that it was no trouble. No trouble. She hears Bob Cratchit approaching. Smells, everyone. Smiles. My dear Peter, how's it coming? Mrs. Cratchit hands him the coat. Nearly done. Yes, good. I'm sure that it'll be done long before Sunday. Sunday? You went today then, Robert? Yes, it's it's all ready. Two o'clock. In a nice place. It would have done you good to see how green it is. We'll see it often. I promised him that, that I would work there on Sunday. Often. We mustn't hurt ourselves over it, Robert. No. No, he wouldn't have wanted that. Come now. You wouldn't you would won't guess who I've seen. Scrooge's nephew Fred. And he asked after us and he said that he was heartily sorry and to give his respect to my good wife. How he ever knew that, I don't know. Knew what, my dear? Why, that you were a good wife. Everybody knows that. I hope they do. Heartly sorry, he said. For your good wife, and if I could be of service to you in any way. He gave me his card. That's where I live. Peter, I shouldn't be surprised at all if he got you a position. Only hear that, Peter. And then you'll be keeping company with some young girl and setting up for yourself. Oh, go on. Well, it will happen one day. But remember, when the day does come, as it must... We must none of us forget poor Tiny Tim and this first parting in our family. He died? No, no! He steps back from the scene and moves away from the spirit. Because he would not. No, you cannot tell me that he has died, for that Christmas has not come. I will not let it come. I will be there. It was me, yes, yes, and I knew and couldn't look. I won't be able to help. I won't. Spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be that man that I have been for so many years. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me. Let the boy live. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will in the past, the present, and the future. These spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons they teach. Oh, tell me I'm not too late. Scrooge is in his bed. The third spirit has disappeared. Scrooge awakens and looks around the room. The curtains, they're mine and they're real. They're not sold. They're here. I am here. The shadows to come may be dispelled. They will be. I know they will be. He dresses himself hurriedly. I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. Merry as a boy again. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. A happy new year to all the world. Hello there. Woo! Hello. What day of the month is it? How long did the spirits keep me? Never mind. I don't care.
He opens the window and calls out to a boy in the street below. What's today? Uh? What's the day, my fine fellow? Today? Why, Christmas Day! It's Christmas Day? I haven't missed it! The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can save Tim. Hello, my fine fellow! Hello! Do you know the poulters in the next street at the corner? I should hope I do. Unintelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Do you know whether they sold the prize turkey that was hanging up? Not the little prize. The big one? What? The big one as in me? As big as what a delightful me? boy. Yes, my bucko. It's hanging there now. It is? Go and buy it. Oh, go on. I, I'm in earnest. Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here. You may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the butcher and I'll give a shilling. Back in less than two minutes and I'll give you half a crown. Right guy. He rushes off. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit. He shouldn't <sighs> know who sent it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. And such a Christmas dinner it will make. Carolers suddenly appear, singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Scrooge leans out the window and joins them in the song. I must dress. I must. It's Christmas Day. I must be in my best for such a day. Where's my china silk shirt? The boy and the butcher run in with a turkey. What? Back already? And such a turkey. Why, you can't carry that all the way to Cratchit's. Here, boy, here's your half a crown and an address to County Town. See that it gets there. Here, money for a cab and for the turkey. And for you, good man. The boy and the butcher, delighted, catch the money and run out. Scrooge sees the gentleman visitor walking by the window. Hello, sir. The gentleman turns to look at him. Hello, sir. My dear sir, how do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you to stop by and see me. Mr. Scrooge? Yes, that is my name, and I fear it might be, not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and that you will have the goodness to add this. Scrooge throws him a purse filled with coins. To your good work. Lord bless me! My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, not a penny less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? My dear sir, I don't know what I can say to such generosity. Say nothing. Accept it. Come and see me. Will you come and see me? I will. Thank you. I'm much obligated to you. Thank you 50 times. God bless you and a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Scrooge runs downstairs out of his house and onto the street. Now, which way is it to that nephew's house? Girl, girl! Yes, sir? Can you find me a taxi, miss? I can, sir. A coachman appears, and Scrooge hands him a card. Can you show me the way to this home? I can, sir. Good man. Come up, girl. They mount to the top of the taxi. Would you be an old man's guide to Christmas dinner? I would, sir, and God bless you. Yes, 
God bless us, everyone. Driver to Christmas. Scrooge arrives to, at Fred's house, and the Cratchits are there with Tiny Tim. Everyone stops moving and talking as Scrooge opens the door, embarrassed and humble. Well, I'm very glad to be here at my nephew's house. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Scrooge. Scrooge puts Tiny Tim on his shoulder. And to you, Tiny Tim. God bless us, everyone. Oh, yes. God bless us, everyone. This adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol by Frederick Gaines was first produced by the Children's Theatre Company of the Minneapolis Society of Fine Arts in November 1968. The script was edited by Lyndon Wall Jenkins with the assistance of Carol K. Mead and adapted for this podcast by Julie Sugar, featuring Maddie Shoshna as Ebenezer Scrooge, Bethany Olsen as Fred in the part of Young Ebenezer. Alex Hantrum as Bob Cratchit and Sam Olsen. Grayson McMullen as Gentleman Visitor, Peter Cratchit, Coachman, Ben Benjamin, and Young Ebenezer. Legend McMullen as Warder, Charwoman, Girl, and Fezziwig. Nora Howard as Sparset. Avery Metanich as Cook. Ivy Vaughn as Jacob Marley. Kendall Ramsey as First Spirit. Mary Parmley as Second Spirit. Gabby Tice as Mrs. Cratchit. Trinity Mare as Tiny Tim Boy and Scrooge's Sister Fan. Becca Dinger as Child Scrooge. With narration by Avery Medinich, Beckett Dinger, and Haley Dinger.